Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I've had an interesting past couple of weeks here, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. But as I was preparing for this sermon, when I saw the texts that we have for this week, I was very pleased with what I saw. And when I first read the texts, it was, for me, one of those moments where all these seemingly random things in the past couple of weeks all sort of came together. Has that ever happened to you? You see, I'm not one who believes in coincidence. And when I see patterns emerge, I like to take note and reflect on them for a little bit to try to figure out what it is that God would have me see in this moment. And I had that happen this past week. It all started with John Doldy, our praise band director. He asked a question about John 13, 35, which says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. He wanted to know that if we'd read this verse and, and how it applies to what we've been teaching here at this church about being a disciple of Jesus. To which I pulled out my business card, the one I carry around for the church here, and I flipped it over and I showed him the back. On that is this verse. But honestly, it had been a while since I'd given this verse some thought. And it got me thinking about how we, the disciples here at South Shore Trinity, love one another. And about how we teach that here at the church. So this was sort of simmering on the back burner of my mind when during the same week I was presented with an opportunity, an idea that might be interesting for our youth of our church, and that idea was to, to make a video. Now making a video is a project that is a very collaborative process that involves a lot of different voices and ideas, and the focus of this video specifically, what we'll be doing on Sunday mornings here till the end of school, is to try to explain, or better yet, to show what that verse, John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. If we show what that means, my hope is that we can share this video with the congregation once it's finished. And honestly, I have no idea what the final product's going to look like, but I'm kind of excited to see what it might be. And if that's where the pattern ended, I probably wouldn't have given it a second thought. But then another thing came up. We had a meeting here at the church, a staff meeting, to discuss how we, the staff, might give an example of loving our neighbor, of modeling this behavior by serving not only the members of South Shore Trinity, but the community of Wiper Lake at large. Again, this idea of loving our neighbor had come up, and I was starting to notice the pattern. And the same theme was coming up again and again. And as this was going on, South Shore Trinity was presented with a real-life opportunity to love our neighbor. Did anyone see this week a big, white, 35-foot camper and truck parked in the parking lot? We had a family in need come and ask us if it would be okay to park there for a few days as they were trying to figure out the next step in their housing. God gave us a prime opportunity to live out the verse that we heard in our gospel reading, John 15, 12, 
This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We were able to love these people by meeting a need. Even if it was just a place to park and run in an extension cord so they had some electricity. And so as we Christians love God and love our neighbor, it, it reminded me of a video that I saw while I was on Vicarage out in Wisconsin. See, there's this, this video project out there called I Am Second, and it's put on by White Chair Film. And the clip I'm about to show is uh, from a session they did with Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty. So it's a little dated. But this short clip, this 35-second clip, comes from an, uh, a 26-minute video, which can be found on YouTube. And if you, if you want to watch it, I recommend it. But, uh, but to help put this in context, the first seven or so minutes, he talks about how he was a bad husband and father, and basically how he grew up dirt poor and that he started drinking when he was in college and off on a football scholarship, and then the drinking got worse and he started in a downward spiral. And he was an absentee father, and, and Phil was mean-spirited, and things got worse, and the consequences of addiction started to take their toll. And then running from the law, a sense of hopelessness began to creep in. And during an especially low point, his wife suggested that he talk to a guy that he'd met earlier that tried to tell him about Jesus. And he decided to meet with that man, and after hearing the gospel, of Jesus for the first time. I mean, really hearing it, Phil was blown away. That day he was baptized. And while he was talking with this man who led him to Jesus, that's where we pick up this clip. I said, I'm fixing to hang another gear and I'm turning from my sinful past and I am fixing to make a valiant attempt to be good. I said, I've never tried it before. I told the guy when he studied with me, he said, just love God and love your neighbor and try to be good. I'm like, I've never tried that before. He said, can you try? I said, I can try. Did you catch what uh, the, the friend asked him to do? He said, love God and love your neighbor and try. And for so many Christians, there are, there's a list of people to love, right? The first person on that list is God, he's, and he's, uh, he's over here. And the second person on that list is our neighbors, typically starting with our families. And the idea that many Christians hold is that we love God by coming to church and by, by being good people and by, by putting money in the offering plate. And that's, that's good. Keep doing that. But that's, that's not all there is to it. And we love our neighbor, namely our families, by saying, I love you and doing nice things for them. But, but there's this separation. <coughs> there's two distinct groups of people to love with two distinct sets of expectations. And that's one way to look at it, and a lot of people look at it that way, but that's not how Scripture describes it. First, we start in John 1, 5, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God 
and obey his commandments. They're connected. And we're not talking about just the Ten Commandments here. No, we're talking about what Jesus says in John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is a wonderful commandment. And it's way harder than we think it is. In fact, you could spend your whole life chasing after this and not do it perfectly, but it would not be a life misspent. It's wonderful to strive after because Jesus is our ultimate, ultimate example of love. And he wants us, he wants love and self-sacrifice to be the basis for our relationships with his disciples. And he not only said it, but then he went and actually did it. His love for us is big. And its self-sacrifice was even bigger as he died on the cross for us. And this is how God loves his people. So it's a different chart here. First, we've got God, and all love starts with God. God is love. And God loves us through the cross. He loves us through an intermediary, another person, Jesus. And Jesus is the ultimate example of our love. And Jesus died on that cross so that our sins can be forgiven. And through faith, we receive the promises of eternal life and resurrection from the dead. But what about our neighbors? You see, God's over here and our neighbors are over here. But it's actually that we love God by loving our neighbors. So here's our neighbors, and we love God by loving our neighbors. You see, it's by loving our neighbors that we have a connection back to God. And just so you know, I'm not pulling this out of thin air. I'll quote Jesus from Matthew 25, starting at verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will say, will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you in? When did we, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Here's the tie-in. And the king will answer, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. You see, by loving each other with simple acts of neighborly kindness, such as giving food and drink, being welcoming to a stranger, of visiting the sick and imprisoned, as we do to the least of these, we do it for God. In short, by loving our neighbor, we love God. And this is the takeaway for today. If you remember nothing else about the sermon, this is what matters, is that by loving our neighbor, we are loving God. 
now living this side of the resurrection, be warned that whenever you do, do this, whenever you love God by loving your neighbor, this world will try to pull you down. This world will try to punish you for helping others. This world will try to make you feel guilty for doing what you know is right. And it's important in this moment that you need to remind the world, the devil, and your own sinful flesh that you are a baptized child of God, that you are someone chosen from before time began to be the object of God's love. You are forgiven and free to love as God has loved you, keeping the commandment that Jesus has given us to love one another as he has loved us. And to this commandment, he attaches a promise as well. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. May God grant it in your life and in mine. Amen.